0: Welcome to the second of two podcast interviews with the faculty of the educational initiative entitled Clinical Considerations of Risk Evaluation and Mitigation Strategies in Healthcare Systems Design, Implementation, and Management. These podcasts were produced by ASHP Advantage and supported by an educational donation provided by Amgen and an educational grant from Astellas Farmer Global Development, Inc. The content for this podcast was adapted from an interview with Joanne Stubbings recorded in December 2010 during the 45th ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting and Exhibition. Ms. Stubbings is Manager of Research and Public Policy in the Ambulatory Care Pharmacy Department at the University of Illinois at Chicago College of Pharmacy and Clinical Associate Professor in the Department of Pharmacy Practice. She also serves as Chair of the Risk Evaluation and Mitigation Strategies Educational Initiative, Coordinated by ASHP Advantage. Ms. Stubbins will discuss practical applications and opportunities presented by RIMS. Welcome, Ms. Stubbins. Thank you. Your thoughts on RIMS opportunities for physicians and pharmacists are interesting. Pharmacists have been on board with RIMS for a couple of years now, so what are your thoughts on how physicians can join pharmacists in taking a more active role in managing RIMS?
1: Well, I think that both physicians and pharmacists still have a a lot to learn on REMS because it is constantly evolving and it's very complex. Physicians in particular, I think, should make an effort to understand REMS and comply with the requirements. And for physicians, we believe that physicians should be aware of what they sign because many times there are documents that they need to sign for particular medications And in those documents, they're agreeing to perform lab tests or whatever. And they should be aware of those documents and read them and see what the requirements are that they are signing. Another thing physicians can do is seek the assistance from pharmacists or nurses in managing the REMs. And in this situation, pharmacists can be their best friends because pharmacists are very good at managing medication safety from both a clinical and a distributive perspective.
0: Do you see additional ways that physicians and pharmacists can collaborate on the implementation of REMS?
1: Yes. I think that, first of all, REMS should be addressed by the Pharmacy and Therapeutics Committee in health systems. And so when a drug is being presented to the P&T Committee for approval and consideration, it should be noted whether or not the drug has a REMS, and if so, that REMS should be described in detail. So, pharmacists and physicians can collaborate uh, through the PNT process secondly physicians and pharmacists can collaborate to ensure that Rems does not become a burden uh, for example physicians can support or champion the development of electronic systems that include Rems components so in a health system if the electronic medical record has the opportunity to include alerts or rules that relate to REMS, uh, this can really help the administrative process so REMS doesn't really become a burden. How
0: important is feedback between clinicians and the manufacturers and even between physicians and pharmacists?
1: Feedback is really important, especially feedback currently to the FDA, because FDA recently commented that REMS is a work in progress, and it's similar to a house being redesigned as it's being built. And so REMS is not static. It's always being evaluated and changed. So physicians and pharmacists have great opportunity to give feedback. The feedback that has been given so far has led to many changes in REMS. Uh, FDA is looking at ways to standardize REMS, and FDA is working on applying the REMS tools appropriately. So feedback in terms of how REMS could be standardized is helpful, and feedback on the more moderate use of REMS, and that REMS is a very good tool for medication safety, and especially when it's used appropriately. So pharmacists and physicians can give feedback to pharmaceutical companies and to the FDA.
0: Do you have any ideas about how these feedback mechanisms can be formalized in a manner that is not overly cumbersome to all participants?
1: Yes, there are a few ways where feedback can be given up so that it's not too time-consuming for healthcare providers. One is to participate in the comment periods. Whenever FDA releases any kind of guidance on REMS, they also invite comments, and it's uh, very straightforward for pharmacists or physicians um, or entire health systems to write a letter to the FDA and submit it during the comment period, and those letters are read and responded to. Secondly, pharmacists and physicians can give feedback to pharmaceutical companies and the companies are very interested in this feedback because they uh, want to see that their drugs are used and used appropriately, so they're interested in how the REMS is working in practice. And also, there are a lot of assessment uh, surveys going on right now because pharmaceutical companies are charged with performing assessments on their REMS programs And if pharmacists or physicians are ever surveyed on communication plans or any other elements of REMS, they should be able to be willing to give that feedback on the REMS and also to give feedback on data and adverse drug events that are uh, occurring as a result of the REMS.
0: Thank you, Ms. Stubbings. Thank you. This concludes this podcast. If you'd like to hear more from Ms. Stubbings about practical applications and opportunities presented by REMS, A web-based continuing pharmacy education activity based on the Mid-Year Symposium will be available in March 2011. To access this activity and other related educational opportunities, visit the web portal at www.ashpadvantage.com.